I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Friday Golf Podcast. I am your host, Andy Johnson. And, uh, oh, it's great to be back. I, I apologize to listeners. I, I had to take a little hiatus from the podcast. My October, late September was, uh, just absolutely crazy. I, uh, I would, some might say I was a little oversubscribed, uh, with the travel and different things that I needed to get done. So uh, I needed to take a little break from the pod, but uh, I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to have things slow down from the travel standpoint a little bit um, in the coming weeks and through the end of the year so I can get back down and focused on uh, producing episodes of this podcast. So uh, I saw a lot of cool stuff, lots of uh, great golf courses, lots of... um, awesome events that I went to and, uh, really excited to, you know, share some of those experiences, but, uh, to get things back up and running with me, um, obviously Garrett's been holding down the pod, producing some really, really great episodes, um, that I've enjoyed listening to. Um, I, uh, I had Shane Bacon and Kyle Porter come on. It's kind of like a, the idea of this podcast was just to have some fun, talk about, uh, 2023 and in the golf year with the Ryder Cup ending, it was kind of you know it kind of feels like the end of the golf year. Um, I know the LPGA's and European Tour and uh, Champions Tour, I guess, are still cooking. But wanted to kind of talk about all the stuff that's happened this year while it's fresh in our mind. So the topic for this podcast is to rank uh the five people or you know loosely people that 2023 has been best to. And uh, I think we we covered a lot of different ground. I you know had a lot of conversations with the, about things that I didn't expect to have, um, and it was uh it was great fun. So thanks to Kyle Porter and Shane, I highly recommend following them and getting all their different content. We talk about it at the end of the pod as well. But uh, thanks for their time and for them to come on uh, and talk with us. All right, well, we are back with another show. Uh, I'm I'm excited here. Is today. that how you're introing this, Andy? We're back with another show <laughs> with some people. <laughs> with some people. Yes, this is, is going to be. I'm, this is if you're be listening off to this podcast, turn it off. Go do something more productive with your life. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be a pod. It's gonna be a podcast. It's it's gonna be a little off the wall. We're back. I haven't been on the pod in like a month. I've been taking a little hiatus, a little uh, recharge. I haven't been recharging. I've been depleting myself, but I'm back and I wanted to have a little fun. So we're, we got Shane Bacon and Kyle Porter, two great golf minds, two great golf personalities, um, men of many, many talents. Right now, Kyle looks like he's the, the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. I need like a, I need a headset or something. Oh, you you got to have, you have those, you have those McDaniel joggers on or no? I do. I actually do. Okay. I didn't, I didn't plan that, but I do. Uh, we were playing fourth grade flag football the other day. 
the, the listen, okay, you guys will love this. The coach of the other team, you get to you get to be on the field when you're calling plays. So you got the little, I've got the the playbook right here. I mean, I can send this to you guys if you need it, <laughs> if you need it for future use. But the coach of the other team has one AirPod in, just one. And I looked at I looked at my buddy that I coach with, and I said, "Do you think he's, do you think he's getting plays from the from the from the booth? Like, do you think he's he's got a green? Does he have a green sticker on his hat, and he can receive the play?" There's some guy. There's some guy sitting in the back of his truck, a little higher than everybody else. <laughs> well, they play they, down on the field. I recently had a a neighbor ask me about uh, my drone. And was asking me about if if I thought it could be useful for, uh, like uh, young football, like uh, I don't know what the, uh, youth football. If if I if I thought we could, there was a possibility to record things with a drone so they could replay it. And I was like, you know, I think that's possible, but that's not. So maybe that was it. Maybe he was communicating with the drone pilot. We played a team last year that had a they ran a drone over the field. They were they were watching they were doing film of like third grade flag f- football. It was I talked to Porath about this. He said that uh, they they had a uh, like a lacrosse or something where they did the same. It's it's out of control. You think PR emails are out of control, Shane? F- fourth grade flag football is out of control. Well, you're in Texas. You're in the heart of it. You're in Texas. Every email is out. My school emails yesterday. I told my wife it was Monday morning. I got a school email where they on the third paragraph defined what diarrhea was. Like literally copy pasted the terminology. I was like, oh, that's a nice way to start your Monday. All right. I'm, I'm taking control of this. We're, we're moving away from this. This is, this is, we're already off the rails. We're three minutes in. This is, uh, we, the topic of today's podcast and why I brought these two esteemed people on is we're, we're talking about the five people who have had the best year. We each came up with a list of five. Mine might be four until the moment I have to hit the fourth, <laughs> the fourth person. But the people that have had the best year in golf in 2023, that golf's been the best to in 2023. So we each came up with a five-person list, and uh, and we're going to go from there. Andy, so that's if, the if you would, if you would, I would like to lead off on my number five, if that's okay with you. That's, well, can, you know what? what if, you, since you asked for it, you can have the okay. Fifth. Go ahead, go ahead, KP. I, I, go well, ahead. For, what were you asking? Two things. I want to know y'all's process, and then two. Can I? Can Andy, I do honorable Andy's mention? Process is still happening. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's real time. <laughs> um, I I was I looked at results for the year in terms of tournament golf, and then I was. It's funny. I scrolled through podcasts. So I scrolled through like a few of the popular golf podcasts to see who'd come on, why they'd come on for the year. Like, was there something I was missing, which I actually got one of my five off the list from, but I was, was trying was to, it Blocky? And, and, uh, I didn't get Blocky didn't make my list. Andy, uh, I was, Andy asked us to try to not just focus on the golfer golfer people and try to kind of think a little bit outside the box. So KP, I was trying my hardest to hit at least a few different genres of golf person if you will yeah that, that's that was kind of mine as well do you have an honorable mention shane uh, no I, I i cut it all the way down to five i listened to uh to our boss's instructions i think you got to go with honorable mentions after after the okay so after post. the five because one of your honorable mentions might be on it's our list point. of five right and okay. he showed up to the pod how many minutes in are we 
We're uh, five minutes. Five minutes. Andy's here now. Now he's dialed. Well, and and to be clear, with with the way this went down, uh, is is Andy asked us to 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 go through this exercise, and Shane and I are just, you know, we've got kids and we've got a bunch of stuff, and we're and we, you know, my Rangers are in the World Series, and um, you know, we we get the work done, we go through it, and then we and then we show up, and Andy's like, I don't know, I got like three and a half, I, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I getting have four, them. I have trouble making <laughs> decisions. Four. The, the, the instructions are five. He's got four. Hey, you know what? It, hey, it's close enough. I'm going to pick up a degree, fifth. baby. I'm going to pick up a fifth while we're talking. Okay. That's the thing. I, I, I'm keeping a spot open. You know, it's like the, like the team that's keeping a spot open and free agency. We aren't set on our team. We're going to wait to see who gets bought out and we're going to bring them on at a, at a low cost, you know? Can I ask you guys a question? When you do these podcasts, how often are you looking at the other people versus looking at yourself? What, what do you guys? What would you guys say the process is? I think about this all the time. I think I, I think I do better when you can turn your your own view off. Yep, I cover myself with my notes. By the way, that's what I do too, Kyle. Can you turn it off on here? There, there's some software where it you can like you can you can block you yourself, which I think is way better because you're not. It's weird to look at yourself, right? Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. For I how much I, I pay for this service, you should be able to turn it off. <laughs> but I don't what know. Is, is this an ad read? There you go. I don't, think, I don't think they would want me to do ad reads for them. Uh, all right, Andy, my number five. I'm going to start us off here. Five people in golf. What did you say that had the best year in golf? That yeah, the- just like the best best year, you know, the just in terms of, uh, you know, 2023 20, has treated them well. Okay. My number five uh, is a guy I'm a fan of, and I've been a fan of for a long time. Number five on my list, Andy Johnson. Uh, been a big year for the egg. Wow. Been a big year for Andy. I feel this- like this has kind of been the breakout year, the glow up year, if you will. I mean, he's shooting commercials the other day I saw at his oh, house. He played Augusta National this year. I mean, how do you have a better 2023 than that? I love that I'm, by, by the way, on the call here. I'm the only person on the call that hasn't played Augusta National. But, uh, yeah, I just say the egg in general, the brand, the shotgun start, the popularity of of what Andy's been able to do has, I felt like, taken a big leap in 23. So, Andy Johnson. My number All right, five. We got we got to move on. Well, that's, no, no, no. I want to I want to give you an opportunity here because I know you don't want to talk about yourself. So I want to give you an opportunity to attribute that to somebody else within uh, within the egg because I know there's a bunch of people behind the scenes, some in front of the scenes. But what? what how do you? What, what do you? Because I, I agree with Shane, but what do you attribute that to? Um, I always say that you hire people that are smarter and more talented than you. So you know. Um, just in general, it's been a long, long road. Uh, a lot of people here that are listening probably listened to early episodes of the pod when I was recording uh, Skype calls with my cell phone and that uh, over the speakers of my laptop, and that was that was the podcast audio, right? <laughs> like it was, but I didn't know how to do anything, so I was figuring it out. So at this point, I mean, like you look at it, I, you know, we went from me editing video and that was like me learning how to edit video, which was like, I'm bad at it. I'm not good at it, but I was editing video. Now we have Matt Ruches and and Cameron Hurtis who, who produce our videos. And it's like, I don't even open video editing software anymore. That's amazing. Um, Whether it's Garrett and what he's done with, 
with the this pod and you know the written stuff and or brendan what he's brought you know there's a million things will runs our events right it's it's impossible meg runs everything in the pro shop it's just you know honestly hiring people that are better at things than you and uh you know identifying that they're better is the big thing i think is like i'm an idiot i'm not very good at a lot of stuff but um you know, so I just have to find people that are better than me at stuff and then and then have them run that part of the business. And, and then I, you know, I get to do what I do, you know. Can I ask the both of you guys a question? I mean, you guys are, are golf people, obviously. I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. You get the note that you're playing Augusta because, I mean, Kyle, you had it, what, three, four years ago? Is that right? Uh, Kyle, 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 Kyle's the one that told me. Kyle blew the surprise. <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're coaching, sometimes you got to let people in on that. God, I just, I walked I in from on. a day out on the golf course, and he said, "Congratulations." But I mean, you know, like we can be cynical about a lot of stuff. I mean, what is that first tee experience like, Kyle? I'd like to hear from you first. But I mean, as cynical as we can be about the game, and as much as we can roll our eyes about the stuff that's happened over the last year and a half, has there been a better, more like holy crap moment than first tee there? Going, all right, here we go. That's up there. I, I think I think walking into the champions locker room is up there also, right? Okay. Because it's such a and I presume they still do that, Andy, but I don't know how yeah. much we were even allowed to talk about this, but I forgot who I, I forgot who my champions. I had I had a nondescript champions locker. That's speed? how bad it was. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. So good. That is so good. I think I think the I think the 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 hard part about first tee and even into the round, but also like the cool part is it feel you've seen that course, you've seen those holes so many times that it almost feels like you're it almost feels like you're watching a movie of yourself as you're as you're acting it as you're like living it out. And that 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 was the part that was I think the most surreal for me was like having like putting myself into this almost set movie set, if you will, that I've seen 10,000 times like that, that made it, it almost made it difficult to play, but it, it made this, it, the entire experience very surreal. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree with a lot of that. Um, you, I, I wrote this in, in the thing that I wrote, but like, it honestly, like I was like nervous. I, yeah. it was like, I felt like I was teeing off in like a US Am qualifier, right? Like I was like I had this like I was I the first tee I was like god, you got to hit like you know, it's just it's crazy. Like I've honestly it felt like I played a tournament where like I'm a, I'm a habitual slow starter in tournament golf and I got off to a really bad start at Augusta. And like then I started to play really well, which is like my tournament golf MO. I I honestly liken it to that. I think like as Kyle said, like it's a super hard experience to rate like quantitatively because of how many memories flood into your brain from like your childhood, your, you know, coming of age moments in life, watching the masters early, you know, in your twenties. And, and I think that's like the thing that's just so hard to, it, it's just an amazing thing. And then, and then like, before you know, it's over. Right. Yeah. yeah. Andy, Andy, how many times did you? How many times were you on a hole going? I know Woozy hit it here before. I, know, <laughs> I remember when Woozy was here in in '79. The layup you know, on twelve. Not, 
not yeah. <laughs> I did. Did anybody tell you the story about the the Japanese reporter who had never played golf before that played with like an uh, played Augusta National with just a seven iron? Yeah, I've heard. I think I've. Heard I think it. you did. You might have. You might have told it. <laughs> and and she got to twelve, and she asked the caddy like, "What should I do here?" And and he was like, "Well, you have to hit the seven iron. <laughs> this is her only club." And she hit it right into the water. All right, I don't want to. By the way, I don't want to sidetrack on Augusta National playing Augusta National stories. But I just, I just, Andy, you're my number five. Uh, this That's my list. Insane. Um, I just figured out my 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 four. My number four, by the way. Is it woozy? No, it's not woozy. Okay. Kyle, who's your number five? Um, I, I went, I went way off the board on all of mine. I, I'm actually more excited about the honorable mention than the actual list, but. Number five for me is uh, is newsletters. So this is a little bit of a testament to Andy as well. But just there you go. Uh, I, I've never been a big fan, I guess, of newsletters. I thought it always connotated like it's not it's not technology forward. It's it feels like uh, like a you know eighty year old writing jotting down a grocery list and sending it to somebody. But I have found maybe this year more than ever that my consumption of smart golf people and new golf news in general has come through newsletters, whether it's fried egg, whether it's La Mania, whether it's data golf, whether it's the normal sporter, normal sporter, Shackleford. I mean, there's Shackleford. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a really, and that's maybe a shift in media in general, but I, 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 I felt it for the first time, I mean, you've been doing the Friday newsletter, Andy, for seven years now, but I felt it for the first time broadly within the golf media landscape in 2023. Are you saying I was just seven years early? I think so. Here's yeah, I've always I've always said you're ahead of the cultural curve, Andy. You're you're way ahead of the game. <laughs> the uh, I I mean, newsletters are amazing because this is uh, I've obviously long believed in in newsletters, but like the idea of of somebody effectively cutting through all the noise for you and giving it to you in in a really easy you don't have to go anywhere right you're checking your email it's a super intimate um relationship too right especially like good newsletters do not sell you down a river right you're not you know when something comes from them that it's like something you want to open and you want to engage with and um you know, it's been uh, it's been neat. I, I I consume a lot of newsletters too. There's a lot of great newsletters that aren't golf uh, specific. Um, yeah. But there is there is there one that stands out to the both of you that's not golf that you guys look forward to or that you read through every time. I follow a guy I mean, named uh, named Nathan Barry. He runs a company called ConvertKit, which is kind of like a it's like a it's like a niche Mailchimp. It's just a it's a newsletter service. I actually don't use it, but. He has built that company, and I'm I'm interested in people who have uh, entrepreneurial journeys like that. He's got a really cool journey, and he writes smartly about the future of business, future of email, all those different things. And I think to to Andy's point, like the incentives and in, when you have a newsletter, I think are more aligned with the reader's incentives because when you have a website, you're constantly trying to pull people in, pull people in. And you, you're writing about John Rom's pink shirt 25 times a year, which is just nonsense. 
you know, and and when you have a newsletter, you're trying to not you're you're really attempting to not get people to unsubscribe, and you have to make it, it aligns your incentives with the reader's incentives, which is great, like providing value through great content, and I think that's something that I've has really hit home with me in in so far this year. I mean, yeah, I I completely agree. Right, if you're in somebody's inbox, you don't want to. Um if you think about it from like a consumer standpoint yourself, right, you don't want to uh, alienate that your your presence in somebody's, you know, there's nothing worse than when you keep getting emails and you haven't hit unsubscribe yet, but you see no value in it, right? Yep. Like as a, uh, a consumer, I, I think one recommendation I'd have is the the OG of of the email newsletter, the OG of the Substack model before Substack existed, Ben Thompson and his spectacular. Yeah, so good. He's, he might, he's one of the smartest guys on the internet. I, uh, I, I got to talk to him like five years ago and I was like, uh, I think about that conversation so many times. He's smart, such a smart guy. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like when he started his business and, and this is now we aren't talking about golf at all. Well, he told me, he, you know, he lives, I think he lives in Thailand, um, uh, Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan. Um, he he wanted he was just hoping to ha- get a thousand subscribers at ten bucks a month because then he knew he could he could live how he wanted to live and uh, I would say that he's probably got one of the most successful email newsletters in the uh, in the world now so he's and I think he's only got like one uh, an assistant is the only other staff member that he has which is insane yeah. Yeah, it's I, wild. Do, do you do do you do the Ziller uh, newsletter? And yeah. I know you're a big basketball guy. That's kind of my good morning. It's basketball one is kind of the one I read through all the time. But I mean, there are so many good ones. I, I love the golf ones. I mean, we listed a few that were awesome. All right, we're 20 minutes in, and uh, we haven't gotten through <laughs> five yet. This is great. What's your number five, Andy? I've got uh, number five is golf architects, not named Gil Hans, Corin Crenshaw, or Tom Doak. Um, there's been. And insane. I like every day I like find out about a new golf course and it's crazy. And for years there were like three or four golf courses built a year and they all went to the same guys. Um, other than like, then you had like your discovery Fazio courses and, and other, you know, golf courses. But now there's so many jobs that those guys can't do all the jobs. And it's great for the up and coming golf architects who now are getting chances to build golf courses. So that's my number five. So it's technically not one name. It's a collection of names. So kind of, it's it's your own list. It's your own list and I'm I'm into it. Number four, who's up? KP, jump on it. Uh, Okay, I'll go. We're snaking Uh, here. My, yeah, well, if we're snaking, then you go, Andy. (laughs) Well, you get, you get to go. We'll alternate. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I'm going to go. My number four is uh, <laughs> my number four is the mules. The mules of the PGA <laughs> Tour had a great year. Uh, I, I don't know that the fans had a great year. I don't know that <laughs> the partners had a great year. I don't know that a lot of other entities had a great year, but the mules cleaned up because the PGA Tour has never been more lucrative. I want you guys to guess. So I've got uh, I've got the list here. I want you to guess how much money do you think, uh, let's say Grayson Sig made on the PGA Tour this year? Two I mean, million. I, I mean, yeah, I was going to say two, two point five. One, one point four million. He was the hundred and tenth okay. ranked player in terms of uh, money distributed, and obviously, 
a lot of this has been caused by live and a bunch of other factors, but it has never been, you know, and I, I think there's a, <laughs> The, the the situation that we're in has come about because every vote counts the same and that's maybe not always best for the fans but man it is really really good for players that honestly don't do a lot uh they create no value on the pga tour but they also don't really perform that well on the pga tour i mean just the, everybody that was let's see how many people made a million dollars the top 130 all made over a million dollars which is just it's 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 astonishing if you think about where the tour was at even 10 years ago even 5 years ago compared to where it is now so uh I, that's my number 4 is the mules had a great great year on the PGA tour all right this this plays perfectly into my recently selected fourth pick here <laughs> he's he's not a mule i'm going to say he's not a mule eric cole is my ah. fourth he had I mean, I think this is just one of the most amazing uh, PGA Tour stories of the year when you look at it in, in totality. Is he going to win any personality contests? No. But this is literally like the uh, the American dream of golf, right? This is what everybody dreams about. This is what people grind for. This is what you know they do. So Eric Cole, this year, he finished 43rd in the FedEx Cup. Do you guys know how much money he made? This is I mean, it, pre without five, the bonus. Five Oh, without the bonus, four and a half million. Really close. You were you were right on the money with the start. It's four point nine million. Um, so he made five, effectively five million plus, and then a, a bonus on there. And he's he's continued. I think he finished second last week. So you know that that's in there. I think already. But um, so he's made five million dollars in twenty twenty three. Two years ago, he was playing on the minor league golf tour which he had played on from 2009. So he would he had been playing on the minor league tour since 2009. He was uh, on a list that nobody wants to be on, which is the career earnings list of the minor league tour. He was fourth on that. He had made <laughs> in, in 12 years on the minor league tour or 11 years, he had made $194,000. I mean, this year, he played on the minor league tour during a break. Like he had some time off. He played and he played like four events on the minor league tour this year. And now he's like in every elevated event. It's insane. It's an amazing story. It is. This is what these guys grind for is that like, Hey, you know, the, he, he was dominant on the minor league tour. And now all of a sudden he's on the PGA tour and he's in every signature event for 2024 It's wild. Eric Cole, number four on my list. I mean, you know, kind of piggybacking off of what KP said about this. I mean, what a time right now to find your game. You know, yeah. like Eric Cole, it's just if you I mean, you think about Max, right? You think about some of these players that have taken this enormous leap over the last couple of years. That would have been great to do 15 years ago. I mean, you'd have been a very rich person. But now you're talking about generational wealth that you could run into by just simply being a top 40 golfer in the world. And for Eric Cole, it's like, I'd love my break to happen three years ago, but God, it's nice that happened in 23. Yeah. All right, Shane, who's your four? My number four, I just mentioned Max, uh, Mark Blackburn is my number oh. four. Um, I feel like he's become the, the new in guy in terms of golf instruction. Max took that huge leap over the last few years. He's worked with him. Justin Rose flipped his game this year. 
working with Mark, obviously wins and makes the Ryder Cup. I've heard some rumors that a certain two-time major winner that maybe just had a little bit of success across the pond has been working with Mark over the last few weeks, and things have changed for him. I asked Max what makes Mark so great, and as Max does, he sent me an amazing response. He said, I think he understands matchups really well, so basically cause and effect. It's not cookie cutter. I think people appreciate that. You can do X if you do Y type of thing. And he doesn't. it doesn't have to be perfect for the whole golf swing, just efficient for your body. He just feels like a new age voice and eyes And when it comes to golf swing in the professional ranks. And I feel like more of these top 15 players are going to go to Mark if they need any help over the next few years. So I just feel like Mark has taken a leap this year, and I feel like he deserves a place on the top five list. That, that seems like such a modern um, <clears throat> philosophy, right? Where I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to uh, fit my what I do to your body, your game, your mind, rather than the other way around. I feel like in 20, 30, 40 years ago, it's like, oh no, I, I've got the answers. You need to change right. what you do to fit like my philosophy. The A swing, you know. Versus well, I, I, the to, idea to your, of like fitting. So like David Ledbetter's like philosophy was like, this is the way to swing a golf club. And obviously like this is not a shot at David Ledbetter. Like what the tools at Mark Blackburn's disposal now versus what, you know, guys were coaching with a video camera. Right. You know, if they were, if they were advanced 40 years ago. Right. And now you have track band that tells you literally everything that's going on when a player hits a ball not to mention, not just track man, but like those things, they connect to people that show exactly how your body moves, everything The the information is just so much greater, but the idea of like looking at someone in, in fitting a golf swing that fits them is such a, just a refreshing way. Like the idea of not, Hey, this is how you have to swing a golf club. And I think that's the beauty of what's happened in golf instruction recently. I mean, Kyle, it's a little like parenting, right? I mean, you know, like imagine just parenting all your kids the exact same way. I mean, I'm learning this now because, you know, Charlotte's now one and a half and, you know, you're seeing the personality pop and I quickly understand this is a totally different human than my son and the way I go about the the parenting to her versus him is going to be different. But if I just went through the same process I went, I go through with Henry, it wouldn't fit her, right? I mean, what she needs and wants is so different than what he needs and wants. Yeah. I mean, and, and we see this in ourselves, right? Like I know that I am motivated. Like if you, if Shane, if you come to me and you say, Hey, <clears throat> that thing you wrote on Monday, that sucked. Like that was not good. Like you're better than that, which you've never said that, but maybe you thought it, if you said that to me, I'd be like, damn, that did suck. Like I'm going to do, I'm going to, it's going to be 10 times better next Monday. If you said the same thing to my wife, if she was, if she was doing my job, she would shut down. She would not only shut down, she would never talk to you again and she would avoid you and she would maybe quit her job. Right. And I think that some of these, some of these things that we see to be true of ourselves, I think sometimes we don't presume that they're true of other people also like out, like out, like broadly true. And I think some of the best coaches or teachers or, or anything have kind of tapped into the fact of like these human conditions are, um, you know, the, like these things that we see in our, in our tiny little worlds and our tiny little circles, those are true everywhere. And so to see that and to say, oh, I have to, I have to kind of teach everybody or coach everybody differently, I think is to kind of see what's going on in the reality of the world. 
I mean, I don't think anything you write sucks, but the coaching performance Sunday night, I mean, I just felt like you could have got Tyreek more involved early. I just can't believe the offense, you know, kind of sputtered out of the gate like that. Just, I mean, just, you know, maybe get a little more creative as you get set for the rest of the season. Okay. So my six-year-old is a, is a Jalen Hurts fan. No idea why. He just saw him play one time. He's like, I like that guy. So he has okay. this Jalen Hurts jersey. We're in Dallas. Everybody who sees him is like, what's the deal? He doesn't understand, like, why, you know, he doesn't understand the Eagles Cowboys thing. And uh, so the, so the Eagles Dolphins play on Sunday night, Monday morning. He's like, did my Eagles win? And I'm like, you're Eagles. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't even, he's like, I want a Devonte Smith Jersey for Christmas. I'm like, like We're gonna what have to are move. we doing here? I know. It's unbelievable. It's uh, parenting. You know? Buying your kids jerseys, by the way, is so fun. Like, it's the best. Well, we, we, we so I saw, so. I saw Tron, Tron's got, you know, he's got two kids in jerseys now. And one of them, one of them, I think had ETN on and the other one had <laughs> Minshew. And I was like, <laughs> a tough break. And he goes, he goes, he, and he just replied. I, I sent him a message on Instagram. He replied like hands, hand me downs or a bitch or something like that. <laughs> well, Kyle, uh, Henry now has learned cause Cindy has Derek Henry on her fantasy team and Henry's now super excited that there's a Henry in football. So I think there's going to be a Derrick Henry Jersey, uh, potentially from Santa this year. We'll see. Yeah. We've got, we've got Jamar. My, my older son has Jamar, uh, Lamar Jackson and Brady. So we've, we've kind of run the, run the gamut. No, Justin Fields yet. I'm sorry, Andy. Yeah. It's, it, we're on to Tyson Badger. Bajan. <laughs> see if you can find one of those jerseys. Uh, Andy, what's your number three? I've got, uh, I've got LD Luke Donald. Honorable mention for me. Yep. So I I feel like the we've gotten like to the furthest extreme of Ryder Cup captaincy, where if you win, you're a genius. Yep. And if you lose, you're the, you're the biggest idiot in the world. And I think like everything comes out of the Ryder Cup. Luke Donald's team obviously dominates the Ryder Cup. The Europeans, they come together you know, against all odds, and they beat this uh, American team that absolutely mopped the floor with them. Luke Donald now, you know, he goes, if he wins the next Ryder Cup, I mean, like, he's going to be a legendary Ryder. I mean, he already is a Ryder Cup legend from his record as an individual. And now it's like, it's like we've got, we're getting to the status of like a, a, he's got a potential to be like the Phil Jackson type of, of uh, the Ryder Cup. Here, if he goes and wins at Beth Page, right? Assuming he's he's selected. Do you think he will be selected? I mean, it seems like it. Like I mean, the cupboards kind of live kind of stole all the pipeline. Yep. Right. I think I think he'll be. I think he'll be the. I think he'll be the European captain. I I would if that was a bet on line. I think that's the way I would lean. Who do you think? Who's uh, Francesco Rose. Molinari? I think Rose. He might still be playing. He hasn't been assistant captain either, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But had what Stenson about big, been a... big shot Bob uh, Carlson? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, the the Luke thing makes so much sense because a you had the experience of being a captain, you understand what's going down with it. When you go in what I think is going to be the most raucous and potentially most intense Ryder Cup of all time on the European side for those players and coaches having to go to Long Island and play at Bethpage. And having somebody that knows how it goes, what to experience, the good, the bad, the otherwise, what happens if your best player wants to fight a caddy, like all of those things going into kind of the recipe 
why not have somebody out there with a bit of experience so you can kind of avoid, I think, all of the mischief that might take place considering how weird it might be, you know, with like the American fans going nuts. I, I came into the year, Andy, uh, feeling nothing toward Lou Donald. I, I didn't dislike him. I didn't love him. I just was I was neutral toward him. And I came away from Rome being like, man, that guy is and, – and you're right. Like we overrate – or we overassign value to the captain when when teams win. But winning aside, like just his demeanor and the way he carried himself and the way he spoke about his team and his strategy and all those things, I, I was – and, you know, those, those things were true of him and, and have been true of him for a long time. I just hadn't – I just didn't see them or I hadn't seen them. And I walked away from Rome being like, that guy is awesome as a golf mind, as a golf personality. Like, you don't get a ton of that or you didn't get a ton of that when he was playing and, and you did during the Ryder Cup and I thought it was sweet. Kyle, I, I think this happens in sports coaching a lot where the You're locker talking room, to the coach. The lo- yeah, you, you know this, obviously. But you know, like the <laughs> locker room understands which players' voices carry and matter, and fans don't really see it. I, I kind of lean on Vrabel a lot like this. Everybody in that Patriots locker room would always talk about how key Vrabel was to the championships and how vocal he was and how everybody listened to him. But we didn't really know that as fans. And then you see him, like, in front of a microphone, or you see him coaching, you go, oh, that makes sense. I feel like that with Luke. Like, feels like the players kind of understood the voice and the respect he carries. And then you see him on that stage and you go, Oh, now we understand what you guys were all saying. Yeah. And you saw the outpouring of that on Sunday night in Rome where they're pounding on the table saying, we want, we want Luke Donald for, for 2025. And I can't, maybe they've done that for other captains. I couldn't remember. They didn't do it for Harrington. I remember, but um, were there other, like, has that happened? Does that happen? They definitely didn't do it for Harrington. But I don't yeah. think they I mean, did I it for they, like. I think Mc... they, I think they touted McGinley a bit. I don't know if they got to the point where they were saying he needs to be in line to do it again. But it felt like people were pretty pumped about McGinley. How, by the way, Andy, how amazing would it be if Liv offered Luke like two hundred million to come play? Try and sabotage the Ryder Cup again. Ride the momentum wave. <laughs> the uh, I saw he was he posted a swing on Instagram. It's like the first golf ball I've hit in a month. I saw that. You know. Great swing. Um, Hey, let's take a quick break uh, and talk about our sponsor, which is Club TFE. Uh, That is Friday Golf's membership. Um, It is $120 for the year, and you get loads of uh, content and benefits from it. So we just launched our events uh, on Wednesday, the day before you'll be hearing this podcast. Um, we had uh, launched our first wave of them, so our first few events, uh, events such as Lookout Mountain, uh, Lake Merced. Uh, we have a couple Club TFE-specific events for members at the park in Wikapa, and then we have another one at Charleston Municipal, which will be uh, end of March. Great time to visit Charleston. So if you want early access to those, join Club TFE. If you want uh, in-depth writing uh, that we do, uh, we do it probably three times a week there, uh, join Club TFE. We, we focus a ton on golf courses and architecture. Right now, I am finishing up a write-up on Pinehurst number two, next year's U.S. Open venue, and obviously popular destination. So if you want 
Awesome writing. If you want to support us, if you want early access to events, discounts in the pro shop, Club TFE is your spot. So if you're looking to do that, uh, go to thefriedegg.com slash membership, and you can find all the details there. Uh, thanks for the support. This is a, a great way to support us if you're if you're looking, uh, you know, if you if you love what we do. Uh, and uh, now back to Shane and Kyle. Yeah, yeah. My, my, yeah. By the way, my number three, since we're talking European Ryder Cup, my number three is John Rahm. I just think when I'm talking about the five best years in golf every year, I'm going to put the Masters champion because how much weight it carries for that player. A, you don't have to ever have to worry about winning it again. Because I mean, sure, he'd love to win another one, but you're now in that club from this point forward. And it was on the heels of this epic run that I think is easy to forget. I mean, he wins the Century Tournament of Almost Champions. He wins Amex, he wins Riv, <laughs> and he wins the Masters. I mean, this run was incredible. And also, again, like to not have to think about winning the Masters ever again as a young, great player yeah. has got to have such a weight off the shoulders. Because like list players that haven't. Justin Thomas, every week's got to think about it. Rory, every time we get to Augusta's got to think about it until they win one. And as we've said so many times with Rory, every year goes by, it's harder for him to do it. And I think John Rahm was probably in the top three of that list that quote unquote needed to win a Masters. And for him to get it is just, to me, I mean, it just defines a great year and an important year. I mean, also the fashion that he did it, like he body bagged Brooks yeah. on Sunday, on a long Sunday. You know, he just, everybody was like, oh, this feels like Brooks. This is Brooks major, quintessential Brooks major championship. And, you know, we saw that one one month later at the PGA. But th- on that Sunday, you know, he was the guy that walked away and just, you know, he just basically took the belt from Brooks, right? Well, and, and every year, Shane, I, he always plays well somewhere at the beginning of the year, whether it's Hawaii or Palm Springs or maybe Euro tour. He'll have one great start. And every year I'm like, Oh, he's going to win like six times this year. Yep. (laughs) And he doesn't. And, but this, this was the year where, I mean, he, 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 uh, masters was what his fourth win of the year. And did he win? Did he he win win again? Nope. Okay. But still four, four in a year is, I mean, that's like you, you win four, five, six in a year. That's kind of been the modern, equivalent of when VJ and Tiger were winning like seven or eight, you know, that's, that's JT had the five speed had the five um, last year. The shuffler was what? Four, three, four Four last year. Yeah. And so you get one guy every year, maybe one every two years that win four or five in a, in a season. And that's, yeah, that's a different level. I loved your tweet during the Ryder cup, uh, Shane, about how you you said something like, "I, I don't, I don't know what the clutch gene, or I don't know what being clutch is, but whatever, however you define it, like that's, that's John Rom. And I totally agree. Like it, it, it's, it's like when the intensity gets turned up, he, he becomes even more of what he already is, which is, which is crazy. Yeah. When you think about 30 years from now, whatever the net, net, next generation of golf journalists are and whatever Wikipedia is in 30 years from now, you know, they're going to look at Tory Pines and go, Oh, John Rom won this U.S. Open handily, right? And to think about those putts at Tory, and then to think about the way he played on Sunday, playing alongside Brooks Kepka, it's just so hard to really contextualize what happened in the moment when you're just kind of looking at recaps or looking at finished leaderboards. 
and Rom makes these putts late, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you know, I, I think there's a really good chance that Rom's going to go down as the best player of this current crop uh, or this current generation, especially if Scotty, you know, continues to not pile up the victories, even though he finishes high. And so, you know, for Rom, just getting a getting a Masters win, I just feel like is it's the most pressure they face all year. And I think the Masters champion is always going to be on my list here. Can I, can I ask a question? This is something I struggle with. How do we delineate generations, right? Like, what's the age gap that we need? Because it's like, you know, are Rom and Rory in different generations? They feel like they are. Yeah, they, I think for they me, def- they are. Yeah, like their their careers, like you know, I, I you know, Rory's now I I on the backside of his career, right? Um, versus Rom still on the upside. Is that the way we? Because then there's all these overlaps, right? I always struggle with this, right? Is how do you create? Are Rory and DJ in the same career window, right? That that seems like they were going at it. Is it when they're at their peak at the same time? Could there be a thirty year old that like the light bulb goes off and they are great from thirty to forty that match up with a twenty three year old who's great from twenty three to twenty eight? You know, is that is that how you match up generations in golf? It's hard because like the ages don't match up always. They don't. But I think generations are defined by players. And so you you almost have like whoever the player who defines that generation is, you go five years in either direction, and that's the age range. So you went from what uh like Norman in the late eighties, early nineties, and you had the Tiger generation, but the Tiger generation lasted a long time. And so yeah. Tiger, I, Phil, Ernie, um, VJ early 2000s then it's like 2010s was it the martin keimer generation luke donald lee westwood martin <laughs> keimer it's weird it was a weird time in golf it's a really weird time but in i think golf. The, i think <laughs> the next generation is the rory generation right yeah rory and dj and then it yeah. feels like now you've kind of got ricky then, ricky then you went, probably in there yeah and then you went then you went speeth jt to me, at least in the way I kind of look at it. Yeah. And right now it feels like it's kind of the, I think the Rom, and JT, generation. Spieth and JT, Rom and Scheffler. In the same ones. Same one, okay. right? Because like they're, what, three years older than those guys? It's just Spieth played the best golf of his life at 21, and that's something yep. we have to come to reconcile with, right? I think what's interesting is somebody like a Bubba Watson. Like, who's, whose generation is Bubba in? Is he part of, because he's, what, 42, 43? Is he the... Is he the Tiger generation? He feels Probably more like the range goat generation, in my opinion. <laughs> just be the, the goat generation. I mean, no, I think I think he's probably. I think I would probably put him in DJ Rory generation. At least the way I kind of look at it, because to I me, think so too. his yeah. peak years were when Rory was peaking and when DJ was peaking. You know, yeah, because it was like what it, that Oakmont uh, U.S. Open was where he kind of like burst on the scene, yeah, with right? The Carrera one, yeah, that was what oh eight oh nine. Cabrera won in 08. 08, yeah. Because that was like, that was kind of his big, it, just like kind of Brooks' opening big moment was Pinehurst 2014, right? It almost precluded, it was like a little glimpse of what was coming, right? I, I think ironically, so. that was probably the best US Open Bubba ever played. Yeah, I think it oh was. My, yep. I think sometimes you can't define the generation until after. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't know who the best guy is until later. And it's all predicated. I think it all depends on like whoever emerges as that best guy. And, and then KP, you have guys like Phil. Scale, right? Like it's a floating scale there too, where some generations are 15 years and some are 
yeah. four years. I mean, I think that's fair to say. Totally. I mean, the yeah, the Tiger generation spanned a long way in either direction because he was the he was the the centerpiece. I mean, he he was the middle of it, and so for because he was the middle for a long, and this is kind of true of Rory, right? I think you've talked mm-hmm. about this a lot, Andy. Like his greatest skill and DJ's greatest skill in a lot of ways is consistent, like consistent greatness over a sustained period of time. Like that's very, very difficult. And that means that the, that the Rory generation will be pretty wide when we talk about players that were in it, but then there's going to be another one. I think it'll end up being probably the ROM generation, but will there be somebody behind him? That's like quick, like Morikawa, Hovland, somebody like that, that's five years younger and just as good that it gets transferred to that to that next player. The Rory thing's insane because he hasn't been ranked outside the top 50 in the world since I think 09. Mm-hmm. So we're 14 years in like and I don't I don't foresee him being outside the top 15 for probably at least I don't, you know, barring any injury setbacks like 5 years. Like we're we're talking about I mean, and that's the thing with Tiger is like Tiger was like it was kind of 10 years, right? Yep. And then it was these like sparring moments, a year here, two years off, a year here, you know, that no there Phil would be the only, you know, real comparison in terms of longevity. And that's the weird thing. It's like is this is Phil still part of these generations because he's obviously shook up golf pretty pretty substantially in this generation. Like is he still part of this generation? I think so I wrote this after the open this year. I think Rory is having Phil's career. And that sounds weird because obviously stylistically and personality-wise they're so they're so different and I think people have always said, "Oh, Rory's the next Tiger." Like we just got people got hooked on the like Rory is Tiger thing, which was right. You know, just sort of I guess there was like a small window where you're like, oh, maybe. And and that's been pretty obviously not true for a while. But to have Phil's career in this era is like you might be one of the 12 best golfers ever, you know. And and I think that people get really hung up and wound up on the hasn't won a major into, you know, nine years thing. And it's like Phil had long periods where he didn't win majors, you know, but but the but the Tiger did, too, Kyle. I mean, Tiger the, had a, I mean, what Tiger went 08 to 19. Yeah, but the reason that Phil is who he is is because, like Andy said, his sustained greatness over 25 years, that piles up. And at the end, like, we're just, we did everybody just get – like, LeBron will have a possession tonight. It's like, oh, he might not be the best player ever. And you're like, <laughs> can we maybe chill out a little bit? Let's wait till the finals. Let's just it's, wait till the yeah. Game, you know? I mean, it's the it, Brock. It's the Brock Purdy uh, discourse right oh, now. Is he good? Exhausting. Is he bad? It's like every play. I think it's like comical. Like you know, he throws it or stuff. It's like oh, he's not very good. You know, <laughs> it's like they're five and two. They're still going to make the NFC Championship game. We'll see what happens then, right? Yeah. So I, let's I mean, just, we are a prisoner of the moment. At the end. Yeah. 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 It's um and yeah, that's the thing. I I wrote something years ago, like I mean, probably like six years ago, about like how everybody wants to call um Rory the next Tiger. Um, it's the reality is he was he's like Dominique Wilkins, right? Like Ooh. Dominique Wilkins was like an all time great player who played in the same era of Jordan, and it's like, what would that career look like? What? How would people talk about Dominique? if if Michael Jordan wasn't around because he was like a spectacle 
of of an of an athlete of a of a player he could go out and drop 50 on you he you know he had all these dunks and then he ran into michael jordan a bunch of times like he was playing in the same conference as michael jordan it's like that clyde drexler thing like with clyde drexler people are like oh he's he's the best shooting guard in the league and then jordan just takes him to the woodshed you know like so it was so it's uh, carl malone ernie l's and dustin johnson's harold uh, minor where are we at don't here? don't you dare insult ernie l's malone like hey that. malone won an mvp I mean, you know, I just, I'm just going to say, you know, Ernie L's, if, if they never went away from the wound ball, oh, uh, who knows what Ernie L's would have done R- real quick. What, what is, what comp, what golf comp to another sport, like player comp, are you most proud of that you've come up with? I've got one that I want to talk about, but you guys do yours while we think you, you guys I do this one. all the time with, with NBA and, and specifically with NBA and you, there's gotta be one that stands out to you, Andy. Scheffler is Jokic. They are super awkward while they're doing it. They're both big <laughs> and kind of like gangly, but but you watch it and you're like, wait, what's going on? And then it goes in or it's like an unbelievable pass. Like Scheffler, he's swinging and his feet are doing all this stuff. And it's like a flushed long iron that well, it's a long iron that doesn't sound flush, but it is flush and it ends up five feet away, you know? That's a good one. Uh, I, I like I that. Think, uh, I think Ludwig and Wimby is something I've been kind of sitting on for a bit. You know, just just seeing what what pops with these two guys. Okay. Honestly, I think like Ludwig, I almost put in in one of my five. Interesting. I, mean, I think he, he's I, listen. I think he'd been worthy of a spot. Honestly. Well, like he wouldn't have a card right now. He didn't play well enough to have a card. Yeah. But it's this PGA Tour U thing. Just like it's like a gift from from heaven. Right. It's like, oh, here's here's your card for a year and a half. And then like these guys are so it's so hard. I think like, you know, like what's going to get lost on history is how great players had to play to get the card. Like the things that like John Rahm did that Morikawa did speed Matthew, like these. Yeah, exactly. Like when you have eight starts and it's like you need to gain the FedEx Cup points that people do over an entire season in eight starts and then you get your card is like, that is like an unbelievable, like the, the list of people that can do that. It's like super high pressure. Like, and I think like now with this, like this guarantees, I think it's a great change. Um, I think the number one player on PJ tour, you should have a card, but you do lose a little bit of like that, that accomplishment, the, of the few players that could do it and get it done. Yeah, for sure. KP, who's your number three? Well, my comp. We're just slack. Oh, sorry, your comp. Sorry. Uh, I think Andy will like this. JT and Bryce Harper. That's good. That's good. I like it. I mean, like, Gen- can do it all. Generationally good from a young age. Fulfilled the expectations. A lot of drama. A lot of emotion. A lot going on. That's good. Is there a, is there a slump in there for Bryce Harper at one point? Uh, he's been. He's been injured. I, I don't know yeah. if there. I don't know if there's a slump, but is, uh, is my, JT my, a top <clears throat> ten player by the end of uh, by this time next year? No. Yeah. All right. It's the, this is the decade of JT. It might be the Rom decade, actually. But Porath declared or, that or Scotty or Brooks. Only. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good uh, Brooks. Brooks. Uh, we don't have time for Brooks. Um, okay, go ahead. Number three. Data golf. Data golf. I love it. So the reason for this is because they rank with players. 
They rank lift players. Like my, like, I, I don't disagree with what the OWGR has done recently in excluding lift players. You're not measuring similar entities. I, I totally understand like why they've done what they've done. But for my purposes and our purposes, I need to be able to talk about who the best players in the world are. Right. Totally. Like I, I don't when I go to the U.S. Open, I can't be discussing Bryson as if he's the 270th best player. Like that's that's preposterous. And so, of course, we have to have some uh, objective. Some people would say subjective, but it's math, some objective measuring stick for all the all the golfers in the world and the what has happened in the vacuum of of the OWG or in, in the absence of the OWGR including live players data golf ranking them has provided I think a ton of value for people like us and for fans that are like I don't know I don't know what to do I don't know like who's good and who's not and whether you agree with their formulas or not I think it's I think it's provided a a valuable tool for fans and media for the future Totally agree with you. I think it's a great call. And, and I mean, I, I lean on it during broadcast, Kyle. I mean, I will, like on a Friday broadcast, if I'm doing PJ Tour or a major or something like that, I'll bring up the cut line number that they're providing. I just Thank feel like you. Thank it you. needs to be more involved because what they're doing is amazing and it's in-depth and obviously it's very accurate. And uh, and I'll, I'll say this, like I have these one sheets, Kyle, that my mom made because, you know, like we're all basement bloggers at the end of the day. And um. Like when I would do featured group stuff and it's the three players that I would do like on PJ Tour Live and stuff like that. And I had wins, last four starts, and then age and OWGR was one of the things. And I've been thinking about it lately. It's like I can't use that anymore because no, no. to your point, when I'm when we're trying to quantify how good somebody is, that was what we could use, right? Yeah. This guy's the eighth ranked player in the world. And now you can't really use that. And and trying to define who Cam Smith is as a golfer. We right now don't have a way to explain that outside of bringing up the open win. You know, I would say one of the big losers of the year was Taylor Gooch. You know, he made $20 million, but I think like when you look at Taylor Gooch, I think he made 33 with the the bonus. When you, when you look at Taylor Gooch, he was like, I, I kept looking at him. I'm like, God, this guy profiles is a really good player. He was good at everything. He obviously was is really good friends with Max Homa. I think he was a better player than Max when he went to live. And mm. like, I don't think it's crazy that Taylor Gooch would be in a similar position to Max right now in the world golf rankings. Have have that profile of Max, probably not the popularity off the course and on the course, but have that profile of like this guy could be, you know. And instead, he's not even going to be playing in the majors next year, right? I, you think he was better than Max when when he left? I mean, Max. If you look won, at like, if you look at his was, statistics, he was trending in a good direction. His, I don't know if for sure. he was better, but yeah, his stats were he, he was he's a positive. He was good at everything, like a plus player in every facet of the game. Like he was a really like when you look at guys that are built for hard golf and in major championship golf, like his. His profile, I felt like when I just looked at it and I was like, this is a guy that's going to pop soon. And this is, you know, two plus years ago. And now he's popping, but him going, getting like, no matter what you say about live, like he did some, he played, had a great year. Right. Yeah. Um, And it didn't matter because it gets him into nothing legacy wise. It does matter from like, 
hey, he's got generational wealth and I'm not going to discount that. Like his his family set up forever now. But, you know, he did miss out on all the other carrots of what playing great golf gets you. Yeah, totally. And I I think that he, the the other thing that happens with Liv and somebody maybe Dan Rappaport wrote about this at the US Open last year is you don't get the like Max is a better player because he plays on the PGA tour and has to beat guys like Rory Spieth, Rom, Scheffler, right? And Gooch obviously is a very good player. Uh Data Golf would say he's a top twenty five player, top thirty player, whatever it is. And I would agree with that. But I don't think he I don't think he's reached his potential. I don't think he's reached a ceiling of what he could be if he was learning how to beat guys like Rom Scheffler, Morikawa Hovland. And that's a bummer because I think one of the reasons we watch sports is to watch guys at late like attempt to fulfill their potential. And Gooch is doing that monetarily, which is great. Again, great for him, but I don't know that he's doing it on the golf side, which I think we would all agree leads to winning major championships. It's like when you win a championship and the other guys are injured, right? And it's like you still got the championship. I mean, I think about the Toronto championship a lot. Man. Like they going were the after best team. Canada. Going after no, Canada. They, they were the best team in the NBA that year and they were unbelievable, but they played this Warriors team that's losing players by the minute. And all of a sudden, that last series wasn't the definable moment you were hoping for. It was just you were playing a team that was kind of, you know, littered with injury and, and all of a sudden you kind of walk into the into the championship there. You're going to go after my Rockets next, aren't you? Winning okay, championships. Winning. Never. No, MJ but, was MJ was playing baseball. It's fine. Just Clutch City. What's uh what's what's your number 2? Who's up for number 2? I feel like it's uh, you Bacon. Go. You go. Bacon. You go. All right, my number 2 is Victor Hovland. He made 34 plus million dollars playing golf this year. Um <laughs> He earned almost uh, as much as Gooch. He earned one point seriously one, effectively one point five million for every event he teed it up in and uh and twenty thousand dollars for every hole he played. Uh five thousand dollars per shot. Kind of crazy. Insane. Um obviously then, you know, like on top of the FedEx Cup and it, he was awesome. I think there was a big question like about you know, you look at him, it's like can he be a major championship player? And then he plays great in the majors. He didn't win one, but it's like, God, he's on like your short list, maybe top five guys. He took chipping. He was an awful, awful chipper. And he's become a good chipper of the golf ball. Um, like you look at this guy and it feels like he is built to continue to get better for the next five years. And I don't think that's like every player. I think we fall into the trap with golf and it happens from like a junior level is who's the best at, at 14 doesn't mean they're going to be the best at 18. Who's the best at 22 isn't going to be the best at 26. To me, Victor Hovland's a guy that like he seems to progress every year and seems to continue to get better. And that's a scary thing when you're already one of the best players in the world. Uh, also hearing reports that, you know, the single Victor Hovland single man is uh, is potentially dipping his toe of getting out of the Stillwater singles market and, you know, and South and moving to South Florida. So that could be really good for his, his personal life in or, 2023 or, or, or bad or bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, that bubble in that bubble in Oklahoma might play, you know, I, so, I refuse to comment on any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this about the chipping and Kyle at the Ryder cup. You know, you, you think about all the stuff we'd said about Victor around the greens 
and first hole of the first match and he chips in and you go just a different dude like the confidence is just at at a completely different place it's almost like he's a different human you know yeah and he's he's so i think it's a i think it's very very difficult to to rise to the level that he's risen to and maintain your likability in the way that he has he's almost more beloved now than when you know people knew about him as the 25th best player in the world and he's just uh he's he's very marketable very likable and uh i'm i'm very interested i he changed my mind the most about him of anybody in 2023 i always have like one guy a year change changes my mind the most about them i think uh 2022 is matt fitzpatrick uh bryson in 2020 i don't know you can go back year by year and for me in 2023 in 2023 it was victor hoblin it's a great point yeah it's crazy too because like you say that it's like it's not wyndham clark who won a u.s open over scotty scheffler and rory mcelroy like on sunday beat rory mcelroy scotty scheffler and you know ricky i think everybody kind of expected what he was going to do happen but like this is a guy you know wyndham clark i feel like he almost made my list and but because of like you know out of nowhere he wasn't even like in big events at yeah. in may of of 2023 and now he's in the top 10 of the world a major champion Ryder you know, cupper yep. yeah Ryder cupper but like victor hovland to me was was just like what you said changed your perception of him as a player this year uh andy my my number two we were talking nba earlier my number two steph curry I mean, oh, I almost put him in here. I I, t- I knew you were getting nervous about this <laughs> when we were talking before the KP, show. Before you jumped on, he was asking me Steph stuff. So on the golf course, uh, he wins in Tahoe. He makes a hole in one that week, and he makes an eagle on the last hole, which is legitimately bananas. I went back and watched the eagle last night. So it was like 40 feet he makes on the last green. It's like so silly. But, I mean, more important than obviously his golf is, you know, he wins the Charlie Sifford Award. He's launched underrated golf. I mean, he's helped bring golf to the Howard University. He's involved in TGL. Like, to me, I think you and I all, I think all three of us probably roll our eyes multiple times a day when you hear the term grow the game. But it feels like Steph Curry a few years ago was like, what can I do with my popularity in life and in the United States right now to build golf in areas that need golf or could use golf? And I feel like he's really done that. And I think it's easy for people to do what you're comfortable doing. And when I say that, I mean, Steph building basketball in areas or going out and, and, you know, like repaving courts that need to be repaved, but to just go out and branch yourself out into a completely different endeavor is so hard to do. And I give him a ton of credit for doing all that he's doing. So Steph's my number two. Hey, can we talk about the USGA scheduling for the Uh, Sifford award? Do you know oh, what during is? the NBA Finals. During the NBA Finals, oh, what, is that right? What do they do? What I thought you wanted. Do? I thought you wanted to talk about like the mid am or like the four ball or <laughs> when, something. When is, when is the when is the four ball? Is it before or after the the girls junior? The four ball schedule makes no sense to me ever. You qualify the year before. I've been saying this. I've been saying this. I really? don't understand it either. No. Yeah. But uh, but but anyways, they they scheduled Steph's big thing for the Sifford Award the week of the NBA Finals. I mean, what what are we doing? We're yeah, I, unless, you, unless can, you, can, you can tape that, you can tape the ceremony, you can roll it out, you can you can talk to the NBA. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense because all you can do is just lean on the NBA and kind of 
and kind of boost what you're trying to do. Well, well maybe and, they're and expecting the the Hornets to be in as the other team. You know? I was gonna say he could pull the reverse fill and just fly from from California to Pinehurst. <laughs> well, I also appreciate you guys are just putting the Warriors in the NBA Finals right now. This is amazing. All I'm not putting Laker them. I'm just saying they so got a good chance. It, it's yeah. like what if there's six teams that have a chance? They're one of them. Yeah. All right. It's true. What, okay. Porter, who's your number two? Am I number two? Bacon, do you have a hard stop? Are we even gonna get through this exercise? Yeah, you're, you're good. I got. I got like ten minutes. Warriors, okay. by the way, are I, I have at the fourth fourth best odds to win the West right now. Anyway, they're go basically wow. an injury away from being the favorites. I, that's, I don't think Probably that's true, the, actually. <laughs> uh, okay. My number two is somebody that played in the Ryder cup, but I really latched on to this idea of what Andy was talking about or has talked about with Cantlay and, and some of these guys of man, being in the Ryder cup is such an opportunity for the rest of your career. You, you, you are always in forever a Ryder cupper. And so the person that I thought parlayed that Bob. better than anybody was Big Shot Bobby Mack. Wow. Like he didn't even I mean he's n- like like let's just be objective here. He's not that good at golf. <laughs> he's I mean, just not. And I mean, yet the and yet nights are going to come after you. KP. That's fine. You thought Ma- you thought Memphis was bad just wait till the people of Oban. Well, the the ironic you. part is the tweet was actually complimenting Scotland and no, bashing it was, it was, Memphis, it, and now he's it, going back at Scotland. It was poor rush. It was poor rush. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Poor rush. Uh, <laughs> so just, just, just look at the numbers. Look at the data golf. Look at my number three. He's objectively like not that great at golf, and yet he was involved in two of the two of the best golf moments of the year. One at the Scottish Open, nearly beating Rory there with the shot of his and anybody else's life. Uh, from the junk with the three wood. I mean, it was it was extraordinary. And then winning two and a half points at the Ryder Cup, that changes your life. I mean, it changes your year for sure. But it it it, it, it like what you do in ten years is predicated on winning two and a half points at the twenty twenty three Ryder Cup. That sounds crazy, but over and over again, it's proven to be true, especially for guys that are not the Roms and Rory's and Tigers of the world, you know, like that, that completely changed your life. And I thought he took advantage of a very opportunistic situation this year. I think about Jamie Donaldson, a lot KP in that regard, where yeah. when you think about Jamie Donaldson's career, you know, you kind of go to the putt to win the Ryder cup. Right. And it's like, it's, it's who you will be in golf circles for kind of the rest of your life. And I think for Bobby Mack, there's a real good chance that, in 20 years from now, when we're talking about his career, 2023 is going to be the year we talk about. And to your point, the swings that you mentioned are going to be kind of the swings that that stick out of everything else he's done in his career. Totally. All right. Number one. I got a, I got a great one. I'll just go. go. I'll yeah, go. go. I got somebody I'm pretty sure neither of you have ever heard of before as my number one. All right. I'm going back to the goats. I'm going to Taylor Gooch's caddy. Mal Baker is his name. <laughs> this guy. You made this like guy, three million bucks. This guy signs up with Taylor Gooch out of Oklahoma State. Taylor Gooch has a fine career at OSU. I don't know how long he's been on the bag, but you know, you're getting on a bag where you're like, oh, this guy will be a good PJ tour player for a while. I might make a decent living and have a have a nice, you know, run with him. And now all of a sudden. In the last two years, I, I, I'm not totally sure how to add all this up. We've got team money, we've got individual money, you've got signing bonuses, you've got. Con- I, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, 
But from what I can put together, Taylor Gooch made over $40 million over the last two years. So if you're this, this Mal Baker fellow who's caddy, who's carrying the clubs, you don't, one, you've made what, three and a half, four million dollars for over two years. So you're, you're rich by most of our definition of it. And two, you can justify the whole live Saudi thing because you just work for Taylor Gooch. You don't even, I mean, you don't even work. You don't, you're not part of the league, really. You're just carrying your boss's clubs. I mean, it's, it's a, it's an unbelievable situation that he finds himself in. And, uh, yeah, congrats to Mal Can I provide a little interlude here? Sure. Can you imagine how good Rory would be if Mal Baker was carrying his bag? (laughs) Oh God. Here we go. Here we go. Here we are. My maybe my least favorite comment of of uh, of Eddie in golf is like, can you imagine how good so and so would be with so and so caddy? This is your soapbox for one of one of many, but it's it's <laughs> one of your top soapboxes. KP, I think it's a great pick. I really do. I I love where you went with it. I think it's really smart. <clears throat> it's maybe been kind of a weird year for caddies in general, or maybe a great year. For caddies, however you want to look at it, but yeah, I think it's, I think in this Cad- in caddies this, could in be a winner sphere, in the sphere. It's a really, really good pick. I mean, <laughs> caddies in general are a winner. You go to like yes, caddies are so. I mean, caddies are getting for one bag what I used to get paid for two. Like I feel like an old man now because this is what my dad used to say to me when I caddied. <laughs> I got four dollars a bag, you know. But like literally the, the rates for a regular caddy, I mean, and obviously I'm not trying to go after caddy fees here. It costs a lot to live in today's modern Caddies, world. Canada. But, Who else have we gone after? Scotland. I think he's Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> taking a bit of the Oklahoma, females in Oklahoma taking a shot today. So my so wife anyways. is from Oklahoma, by the way. So congrats <laughs> on that. It's a tough situation after the pod. I, I mean, your, your wife, your <laughs> wife being brought up twice on the pod, and I'm not sure uh, either she's going to love. But hey, you know what? That's the price you pay when you're. I'm guessing golf she's order. not listening to the Friday or the Friday golf. Not a, not this deep into it. <laughs> she she doesn't even read. She doesn't. She reads like one thing a year that I write. So she's for sure not listening to the Friday podcast. Uh, my wife came to a live show years ago, probably f- four years ago. It was a shotgun start live show. She she had never listened to a podcast before, and afterwards, she like was any like, podcast or a Friday or podcast, any any podcast that I've been a part of. Afterwards, okay. she was like, "That was so good," and I was like, "Oh, thanks! Wow, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it." It's always it's always great when they're like surprised by. Yes, I I can't believe how good that was. Wow, okay. yeah. People- People listen to this? That's interesting. Wow, that's really cool. Um, KP, I loved your number one. My number one, to me, I think, okay, guys, we love the majors. We love the Ryder Cup. Like, this is kind of what we live for in this space, right? When you cover golf, the non-major championship golf is not as interesting as it used to be. Still can be interesting, but for the most part, it gets interesting on Saturday and Sundays. This has not been a great major year. It has not. No. On the men's side of things, it was a sleepy major year rare if at all was there interesting stuff happening on the final few holes the Ryder cup to be fair wasn't that close it had its moment as it always does but i'm flipping to the women's side and the lpga because when i think about 23 i think the big winner of the year is lilia vu she's now world number one she won two majors in 2023 
She took the mantle as the best American women's golfer in the world. She won another event in 23. She finished second a couple weeks ago. Didn't have her best Solheim Cup, but she did win her singles match, which few American players were able to do. I feel like 23 was the year of Lilia. I think she deserves the flowers for what she did in the major championships. And again, going back to what I said on the men's side, nothing stands out on the men's side. I think Lilia was excellent on the women's side, and she's my number one story and person of 2023 in golf. Well, I, you know, I think this is a little premature because she hasn't won the race to the CME Globe yet. Good point. But, Fair enough. But yes, she was in contention for one of my spots. Would have been one of my honorable mentions. Has had a fantastic year. And I think it kind of came out of nowhere too, right? Um, which is extra like you always love those, you know, runs to number one that you didn't see coming at all. What, what was like, she, I was going to say, what was she ranked at the beginning of the year? I mean, she, uh, she was a. Give me, give me a moment. I'll look it she up. She was a, I presume she was like a top, what, forty player, but not like a top five. Um, her worst ranking this year, KP, this year was forty third. This year, okay. So at some point in twenty three, she was ranked forty third, which seems wild. Uh, and I mean, it doesn't necessarily seem like it's totally accurate, but um, I mean, going back to like. The summer, going back to LA, she was ranked 12th in the world. So, you know. Guys, that would be like Sepp Straka becoming the number one player in the world next year. Yeah. Minwoo uh, Lee C- is currently. Siwoo C- C- Kim. Minwoo Lee is currently ranked 43rd. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you go to the, if you go to, if you go to early 23, I see she was ranked 33rd. So, I mean, yeah, like maybe it's accurate, maybe it's not. But what I mean, if, early what, in the year, Corey she's Connor. not even the top 30 in the world. What if Corey Connors was the number one player in the world this time next year? <laughs> what would you do? It'd be great would, for Mike. Would it, I mean, when does Corey Connors go to the broom? Next year? I should have had the broom putter as one of one of the things on my five. Just that one that everybody used to win. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My last one. I can't believe it's not on your list. Maybe you kept it off because you do be number one on my list. Is our our friend Blocky Boy, Michael Block, the number one winner in golf this year. Um I think it's gonna be extraordinary. I I I think it's an amazing thing. This is the amazing thing about the PGA in general that that you have this wrinkle with club pros. Um it's amazing for a guy who's, you know, in his mid forties to go out and finish fifteenth in a major, to effectively have the greatest golf week of his life and the most important golf week of his life. That intersection rarely happens. It rarely happens for anyone. But then this whole thing, this block phenomenon that's happened afterwards is just, it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. I mean, I think this is not going to end anytime soon. I think four years from now, Michael Block's still going to be making appearances at like sporting events. So he's at the Anaheim Ducks game the other day. It's like, Why not? What's the cross section of hockey fans and Michael Block fans? But like four <laughs> years from now, these things are still going to be going on, and people are going to be like, "Wait, what? What? Did, who's Michael Block? Oh, he made a hole one and finished t fifteenth at at the PGA four years ago. But he has definitely made the most. It is a story of having your fifteen minutes of fame, maybe more than fifteen. It was like three days of fame. And just and just getting everything out of it. I mean, it, and I think for all intents and purposes, his personality has been terrific for it. He has the right demeanor, the right attitude. 
to um, effectively ingratiate himself with all these different organizations that he now works with. Like it has been a, a crazy run for Michael Block and 2023 will always be the year for of Blocky for me. What do you think he tells people that he does? Like when when he's at a party, well, that's the thing. Is he a, pe- is he a pro golfer anymore? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like when when so, when I'm at a party and somebody's like, "What do you do?" I'm like, oh, "I write about golf." Coach the Dolphins. A, yeah. That uh, in my spare time, I coach that. Yeah. Uh, but when he's at a party and somebody's like, "Hey, what do you do?" I mean, is does he say I'm I'm a I'm an info like like what is his what's his deal what's his role? I mean, like it's 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 got to be easy. pro golfer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy to forget how awesome that Sunday was at the PGA because of all that's happened since and like the Rory comments and things like that. But like it was it was my favorite moment of the broadcast the whole year that I was a part of. I mean, I'm on the featured hole coverage for ESPN Plus or whatever, and he flies it in the hole. It's like I went bananas. I mean, it was just so much fun to see that happen. And Andy, I mean, you and I had dreams back in the day of like, maybe playing golf for a living, or maybe we qualify for this or that. Michael Block's like the best case scenario for yes. what we thought of. It's insane. I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I, I just think that because of everything that's happened, one of the things that's going to become under, like, under-talked about and underrated is what he actually did at oh, that yeah. PGA. That's right. He hit it 260 on this course that rewarded distance too, and he finished T15. He hits it nowhere. I mean, I, like I wonder sometimes we live in a we live in a world now where if there's a glimmer of fame or potential, everybody's going to come and try to grab a piece of it, right? And it's up to you and your representation or your team around you to kind of you know filter through what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And I think it's so easy to say yes to everything because with everything comes money and finances and stability and whatever the case may be. I wonder if for blocky, if just peace, see ya, I'm going to forever be this legend of golf that played so well at this golf course. I shouldn't have played well at, but every time he tees it up and plays in these golf tournaments and doesn't play well, it's a reminder of how incredible Andy, to your point, what he was able to do at Oak Hill, was actually what what it actually was, right? It's like you go play in some of these other golf tournaments that maybe make more sense for your golf game and you shoot 78 or 80 and you miss the cut and it almost kind of pulls away from what you're able to do. It's like John Daly at Crooked Stick in the modern world, right? Where Daly pops up, wins the PGA, and you're like, that cannot happen. And for John Daly, he was just able to, his talent was able to carry him through to more success and for Blocky, it was only going to be a disappointment on the golf course after what he was able to do with that PGA. I, I do wonder, like, how just objectively, how good he actually, like, like how much better at golf is he than somebody like you, Shane? You know, you you qualify way for... better, like a like a mi- like miles better. <laughs> no than offense, me. yeah. Oh, a I lot. mean, like, but he like like Kyle, the numbers he posts and like how he's able to casually go out there and shoot sixty two and sixty three and sixty four play in his club or wherever. I mean, he is an unbelievable golfer. This is like the Stu Hagestad question, right? You get asked a lot, how good is Stu Hagestad? Like Stu Hagestad is an unbelievable, like, like best player in certain states level of golfer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But he's, uh, but he, but he's like so far from the guys that he beat that. Well, 
I I don't know. I I think like Michael Block. So here's the I can't good believe we're in an earnest debate about this right now. Yeah, I, I think this is a valuable comparison. So for years, um, so Michael Block's running roughshod over the southern uh, Southern California PGA section. Great player section, like great players. Um, Mike Small like absolutely utterly dominated the Illinois PGA section for a while. And during this time, so Mike Small is the head coach of the U of I team during like a period of time. I think it was like around like Oh four to Oh nine. Mike Small had like the second best made cuts percentage on the PGA tour to Tiger Woods at the same period of time. I'm not saying I think Mike Small is probably a better player than Michael Block. Like Mike Small was out there making cuts in PGAs and doing this stuff while also like coaching a a golf program where he's, you know. So anyways, I think he's a very good player. Like, could he be a good like a could he compete on like maybe the uh what do they call it? The America's tour now? Probably. Like I think he could go play there and but like I think he makes more money playing. I think he's playing where he makes the most money. He's not good enough to be a PGA tour player, but these section events can be very, very lucrative, right? Like if you, if you're the best player in your section there, there's good money to be had on top of doing other things. Right. And he, like he said during the week, he doesn't even co he doesn't teach, you know, <laughs> he's like, I give lessons to like just the people I like. Right. Kyle, yes. Kyle, if I set the over under on champs tour starts for Michael Block at forty five and a half, are you taking over or under? I mean, does he have to call? How does he get in? Well, he's he's he. Keep in mind, his one exemption, his first exemption was the Charles Schwab, and they run the Champions Tour, so a little synergy there. Interesting. Uh, I think you, you guys know uh, Spencer Hall's idea that there should be a regular human that swims in the Olympics and runs yeah, yeah. in like the the four hundred and stuff. I think I think Bacon's job going forward should be to just travel around and play in tour events. And then but in your downtime, you go play with I mean, we I've played with you, you're you're well, both you guys, but Bacon's probably the best player, best like amateur I've ever played with. And to see what would happen if you went out like in the PGA championship, I think it would blow people's minds like like the differentiation between you who they'd be like, oh, this guy's awesome. And even a Michael Block or and then obviously beyond that, I think it would just be like shocking to 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 witness the 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 setup at Cherry Hills for the amateur this year and having to in a tournament environment, having to try to figure out how to just hit certain golf shots. It was like one of the weirdest moments I've ever had in my life was standing over a golf ball going, I don't even know how to get this ball out of this lie, you know? I mean, it was such a shock to the system of what I thought championship golf would feel like versus what it actually feels like. I mean, everything I'd ever thought about U.S. Opens I've covered and U.S. Amateurs I've covered, and you see a guy make a six and match play, and you'd kind of criticize him maybe a bit as he was walking to the next tee, and then you're in that moment, and it's like, this isn't even the same sport. Like I'm not what I'm being asked to do on this golf course in these conditions. It's not even tournament golf. It's like a completely different, you know, it's a different layer that I'd never seen. It's like how, you know, you, you think you've been to the VIP room and then it's like, no, 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 no. There's like another room that the like real celebrities go to. 
that y- they don't even open the door for somebody that's not LeBron or Shaq, you know, or Lady Gaga. It's like that's a different level of 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 experience. I mean, that's what it kind of felt like to me. It was just it was, and then you know you'd see these guys like Garrett, like Gordon Sargent goes out and shoots like sixty eight. And you go, wait, 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 what the hell? Like when, when Hagestad had to battle back after he made the 10 at, at, at Colorado golf and he shot like four or five under a cherry, you know, and you're going, I mean, like I'm, my goal was to break 80, you know, like my goal starting the day is like, I just want to break 80 here, you know, and these other guys have the, have the skill set to be able to go out there and still shoot four or five under. Well, and, and this is the, I think this is one of my favorite things about golf in general is that you will never understand how good uh, Derek Henry is because you you can't go play recreational football, right? Right. So there's no there's no relationship with how good he is to how good you are, but there is a relationship between how good you are and how good Nick Dunlap is, and then how good you know Ben Griffin. How much better Ben Griffin is than Nick Dunlap, <laughs> and then beyond, you know, like th- there's that relationship. I think makes golf it's not relatable that's not the right word but there is a relationship there that gives you an appreciation for all of this that you i don't think you get in any other sport yeah i i agree i i don't get asked this anymore because that's probably a good uh barometer of where my golf game's at these days but people always used to ask like what what's the difference between you and a tour pro and i'm like they're literally way better at every single aspect of golf than me and I think that's like, you know, like bacon hits the shit out of the ball, like murders it. But you'd be a below average uh, driver of the golf ball on the PGA Tour because of like accuracy. Right. right. Like, oh, I mean, a- absolutely. I mean, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's like crazy. You can hit it. You hit it 320 easy. Like it's like this is like this is what people don't understand. It's like you can hit it really far, but like those guys hit it so straight. <laughs> like the great drivers of the golf ball hit it so straight. I mean, I. I've told this story before, but during the pandemic, uh, Max and I would play this money game in Arizona every Monday because it was like one of the only things you could do, right? was go play golf. And this golf course is in central Phoenix. It's called Papago. And it's got three par threes that are 230 plus, you know? And I mean, Andy and I are standing on the tee of a 235 yard par three. And it's like, try to hit the green, you know, or, or try to miss it in the right spot where you can maybe make three. And my buddy Ashton would play with us who played college golf and played mini tour golf and is unbelievable. And we would literally be laughing to ourselves walking off the tee at how close Max would hit it with his four iron and five iron every single time. This wasn't one shot around. This was all three of the par threes we'd play where Max is hitting three iron, four iron, five iron into these par threes, and he's hitting it 10 feet. And he's hitting it a whole high 10 feet. And it was just the the approach with his mind was just so different. Like his expectation was almost a different game. You know, not just what he was able to do with the golf ball, but the expectation on what I'm going to do on this par three was I'm going to give myself a chance at two, you know, and we're just, yeah. we're trying, we're trying helplessly to not make five. I, I played in a pro-am with, with Ricky one year at uh, Colonial. Ricky and Elliott I, or? No. no. Uh, Ricky know. Barnes? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, KP is the one guy that hadn't worked with Barnes on a telecast on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> we didn't get it. You never worked with a man that should've talked for 20 him. minutes about, about a college golf. Uh, should have called him in. Facility. <laughs> so uh, the the Oklahoma State Ricky is the one that I played with. And the power, you know, you, you see these guys and you're like, oh, they're just crazy long. And that is true. They do have a lot of power. But are you going to be okay, Andy? <laughs> I'm just remembering walking. Down. I think I was on the eighth hole at Pacific Dunes when he started talking about about uh, about college golf facilities, and then I was on the ninth fairway when he stopped. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love, love Ricky Barnes. Love all the years of the Wildcats I love Ricky Barnes. He was great. He was a great person to work with, but I'll never forget that moment. Go ahead. Sorry, KP. You're talking so about Ricky. It's not the power. It's the it's the control. Like the the amount of control those guys have over their ball is like their misses for us would be an amazing dispersion rate, right? And and and. It's just that that was the part that blew me away is how much they were able to control the ball in the air, even though they had already hit, they'd already hit it. And it was almost like they were still controlling it, which is it's it's an unbelievable trait that I think uh, most of the top guys in the world have. Before we go, Andy, I had a question for you and KP as well. We're all wearing hats here. We're all baseball cap guys, I'd say for the rest of your life. I give you you either get the Ricky Barnes cap. Or the Jakobsen hat, and you have to wear those only going forward. Which one are you picking? Can I, can I choose to not to not wear a hat? I mean, you at can all? go no hat. I guess. Did you I guess just never? I'll up? never wear a hat again over those two. <laughs> yeah, same. Is is the upper deck sponsorship uh, on his flip cap the best of all time? The Jesper one. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I it's it's hard to beat. I I don't know. I love the Payne Stewart uh, NFL sponsorship. So good. I love the AP got that. I love I love the uh, the double uh, Nike logo on Sevy Sevy's Sevy's visor. The the double Nike was sweet. Uh, I would not wear a hat, but if I had to pick one of those, I would pick. I would pick the uh, the yes the yes per part of it. I, I can't I can't do the painter hat. Like I I cannot do that. Like I, that I, I think I take the I think I take the painter. Same. Hat. Uh, I'm going Barnes. I can't no. do the flip up. I'm sorry. I mean, you couldn't wear the the flip up anywhere. <laughs> like yeah, you it, could go it, to a golf it, course with the flip up, and people might be like, "Oh, that's a yes for part of it, cat." I haven't seen that in years. With the Dutch boy, the Dutch boy Barnes hat, like I feel like you could go to like a hipster coffee shop and be okay. Like you could go uh, out. And no, I don't think you could. Okay. It's not 2002. How many people do you think would tell you your bill was flipped up if you wore that just <laughs> in casual situations? But that's like, the hey, thing. Was it windy? I think you could get away with like, oh, that guy's just trying to be funny or ironic or whatever. The painter hat is like, you can't do anything. You can't you can't explain it away. You're just like, I have this stupid hat on. I think Ryan Moore had a cup of coffee with the painter hat for a while, too. Yeah. Yeah. Not That's, good. Remember when he was wearing the tie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think JT touched, uh, touched uh, that base he, as well at one point. He did at the Open Championship. Speaking of the Open Championship, can I read you my honorable mention? Go. Megacorp. Smart. Uh, really good. And, Andrew Waterman. <laughs> <laughs> big, big Waterman here. 
really, these are good. Wyndham Clark, obviously, and then uh, Rick, Ricky's water bottle. It's oh, a big Ricky's year for Ricky. Water God, about the water how how is it not sponsored? That's the biggest question. I don't understand well, they how haven't sold it yet. He wouldn't be able to have all the stickers on it then. How's it not a Red Bull bottle? Like he's a Red Bull guy, right? I don't know if he's still a Red Bull guy. Is he? I don't imagine even... drinking that much Red Bull in a day. It's like a thirty-eight ounce bottle. My favorite, one of my favorite. When was the last from... time you had a Red Bull? <laughs> well, years. that's what I was gonna say. Ba- Bacon is like, I don't even know what Red Bull does anymore. Like, I don't even know what the what the company does. I had a wedding. I had a wedding uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was with all my college friends, and we had Red Bull vodkas right before the wedding. Did you feel awful? It was. It was horrible. That it was sounds. Like... yeah it tasted so bad i was like i can't believe i used to drink these yeah like uh, you know by the way speaking of red bull i and again i don't i don't i think this is a hundred i think this is a hundred percent but i'll say 99 percent just to just to cover myself but i did a podcast on get a grip with shad tootin last week and during the pod (laughs) during the pod i think he pulled he was drinking red bull did you did you bring up his nickname, the gas no, man? I've been meaning to listen I, I, to that. <laughs> you know what's so funny is I had like four people all in your sphere, Andy, that asked me if I asked that question. Like <laughs> on different platforms would like DM me or text me if I asked that question. Well, you know, it's uh the gas man. Can't win them all. Maybe yeah. he'll make next year's list. All right. Uh anything else? This is this is, I don't I don't think we roughly covered the top subject matter and a lot of other subjects. That's, so. that's all I was expecting, to be honest. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you. Uh everybody can find you. Uh Shane's got got a grip pod. You don't He's have to plug. You don't have to plug. Lots of stuff with Scratch, the Please Caddy don't, Life. Actually. What was it called? That series called Caddy Loop Life. Like, loop Life. Loop Life. Uh, Kyle, they can find you on first cut podcast. They can find your newsletter, uh, the normal sporter. They could sign up for, you're doing normal sport again. I assume the book and the ebook and everything with that. Yeah. You I'm starting uh... to work on that. I bet you're excited about that. Well, it's kind of like you with the, in, the year in review, I actually cut it down this year. So we're not doing, it's not going to be an all like an exhaustive list of everything that happened. It's going to be like basically my hundred or 150 thoughts on the year. So I'm about a third of the way through. It's not, it's, how, it's many, better. how long is, how long is every thought? I mean, is this like pages, every thought? Or no, some of them like are like, Burby kind of thing. Some are like one sentence. Okay. Okay. But some are paragraphs. So it's just, it kind of fits my Porath gave me this great writing advice one time. He's like, just start writing numbers down and and fill them in. Like, just start writing thoughts down. <laughs> it's pretty good. It is it's actually great. a great way. Like, if you just start writing paragraphs, you you know, I think one of the best pieces of writing advice I ever got was like, you can just end a thought and start a new one. Everything doesn't have to perfectly tie together. Yeah, maybe that's it's- why I'm a terrible writer, but. <laughs> 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 wow, this just made everything more clear for me personally. I love Lamp. Oh, Rory's had a good year. Um, all right, that's that's enough for me. I gotta go upstairs all and right. make sure my kids aren't dead. Um, I love you guys. Uh, go Dolphins. Go Dolphins. <laughs>Thank you for listening to another edition of the Friday Golf Podcast. We will be back on Tuesday next week. Uh, this episode was produced and edited by Matt Ruches. Thank you, Matt. Uh, as a quick reminder, our newsletter, our free Friday Golf newsletter, is going out three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. 
uh, and we're putting lots of time into that. It's uh, it's written uh, by us. It's not you know it's not written by AI or a bot. Uh, it's written by us and provides perspective on all the latest current events in the golf space. So you can sign up for that by just going to thefriedag.com. And uh, thank you for signing up to that. I think people generally like that newsletter. So uh, if you uh, if you already are a subscriber, send it to a friend. That really helps us out and tell them to sign up. Uh, anyways, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to this episode. And uh, great to be back on this pod. Thank you.